Hey, Corey Johnson. Listen, I'm going to tell you a story about Morbius. There was a scene when basically you, you, my character gets slaughtered by, you know, the, the Morbius, the monkey boy, uh, Jared Leto. And uh, before then, I was sitting there reading a paper and I thought, why can't I just stay here? Why can't I just stay right here? You know, and then I'll make it to the end of the movie. And, and, and a guy, I was talking to a guy, I was explaining this to him and he said, same thing happened in Ex Machina. You know, you're out there, you, 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 you buy the helicopter, she comes out, she's chatting away, you're having a great time, she's going to get you on that thing, she's going to fly the helicopter, she's going to throw you overboard from a great height, you're dead. And my dad used to always say to me, hey, you got a job, that's great, what page? I'd say, what page what? He'd say, what page do you die on? I've got like this reputation for dying in movies and because I'm always in the wrong place. And so from now on, buddy, I'm telling you, I'm taking a page out of your book. My mantra, when I look at these scripts... Don't go out there. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Just want to thank all of our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. Before we get into tonight's film, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. My man Brian has done a fantastic job with the website. He's got it looking great. Everything about our podcast is on there. All of our episodes and interviews from episode one to our weekly release. If you want to check out all of our episodes there. Maybe you have an office job, don't have access to your phone, you can listen on your desktop computer. We've done some incredible interviews in the past with some of the biggest names in horror, uh, some of your favorite slashers, uh, writers, directors. Check out our interviews if you haven't heard those yet. We got our store. We got some new T-shirts. Uh, Brian and Dustin have done some fantastic designs if you want to check those out. And we also have Shan's Etsy page attached as well if you want to grab a Tumblr. And we also have our social media, fa- uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, we love interacting with our fans. We love you know, meeting new people. We love answering your comments and questions on the air. So definitely check us out on social media. And the last thing I want to shout out is our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. You're a big fan of our podcast, a big fan of our show. You want to help support us. That option is available. And we also have one-time donations. If you want to donate and, you know, have a, if you have a film review you want us to do, that option is available as well. All right, guys, let's jump into the film review. This is going to be our final film review of January uh, it's been a pretty fun month. Uh, this is Brother Dustin's pick. Uh, Dustin, you want to announce your pick and why you picked it? I picked it because I hate you all. Now, um, I picked Morbius because he got unfairly shat upon, and it's, it continues to do so online. And uh, look, is it a great movie? No, I don't think so. But is it as bad as the comments would lead you to believe? Hell no. So I think it's a fine movie. Um, Nico, you said something earlier to me that uh, about – you're a little lost because you don't know the whole you know, comic universe. And that's when I told you, you know, this movie, you don't have to know. There's no tie-ins from other movies until the, the mid-credit scenes. Nothing about this is anything related to the other movies that you got going on. There's little Easter eggs, but they're not crucial to the story. This is pretty much a straightforward origin story. And uh, I definitely have my issues with it, which I'll get into when I give my final thoughts at the end since I'm doing the scene-by-scene tonight. But, yeah, I, uh, I wanted to pick it to... At least get mine and Brian's positive reinforcement out there for this movie because I, I know we both enjoyed it more than what most online critics do. 
All right, I'll go next. And kind of like Dustin mentioned, I told him, like, I just felt really out of my comfort zone in this one just because I don't watch a lot of these kind of movies just because they're not my cup of tea. They're just not what does it for me. I thought the movie was just fine. You know, it kind of like Blade. It's not like I hate the movie, but it's just not something I want to turn back on ever again. I didn't think it was like God awful or terrible, but that's, I'm just kind of neutral. If that makes any sense, I'm just kind of neutral in my feelings about it. That's really all I got. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. I like it too. Yeah. I'm a, I'm an MCU fan, but you know, those toxic MCU fans that won't accept anything from the Fox universe or the Sony verse, that's not me. Like, in fact, I'd say what the Sony versus put out the last few years has far surpassed what the MCU has done in that time span. And this in particular movie is no different to me. I like this film a lot and, and don't understand, like like Dustin said, I don't understand the hate that it gets. I think Morbius is one of the most conflicted and compelling characters out there. You know, th- there's a lot of there's a lot of anti-hero venom vibes, and I fuck with that big mm-hmm. time. I love it. Um Jared Leto gets a lot of undeserved hate. I think he's one of the best actors out there right now. Uh, and Matt Same. Smith, I mean, he, I think Matt Smith fucking killed it in this film too. Like I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, like I have the Venom movies, like I have the Fox universe, like I enjoy the Sony universe as a, as a whole. Um, I just, I, I truly believe the hate stems from toxic MCU fans who want the movies in the Sony verse to fail, which I mean, given the mediocrity that Disney's put out film wise lately makes no real sense to me. But yeah, I mean, like I said, this is my jam. I liked it. Brother, nice. that Fox and Sony verse stuff was just like speaking <laughs> Arabian to me. I didn't know nothing you just meant. <laughs> Same. I don't know what the hell's going on, man. man but uh, all right. So here's the deal. I don't like this movie. I don't think it's good. Uh, it's not my cup of tea. But I'm not going to sit here and say it's the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. I mean, in the same vein as Nico, I'm t- – I just kind of find myself not interested in what's taking place. Um, I actually do think the movie does a good job the first maybe 40 minutes or so setting up an origin story. And then I think it gets really messy and a little sloppy and all over the place. And I'm just not into the character. So I can't, I'm not being as forgiving or forgiving as I am with uh, other films. And look, it, I, I didn't say that it was rational to feel this way. But once we start getting more in the like comic book superhero section of the film, it just loses me. It's just not something I enjoy. And I know that's ridiculous because we've done movies about a fucking burnt man that wears knife gloves. Like I get it. Like I understand the irrationality of that, but it, when it hits, it hits. And when it doesn't, it doesn't. And whatever reason, this movie just about halfway through, it really lost me. Um, again, I'm not going to say it's bad. You know, Brian mentioned the acting. I think the acting is pretty good. Matt Smith, you mentioned Jared Harris plays their mentor, and he's phenomenal in the Chernobyl short series. Uh, fucking awesome. So I just wanted to throw that out there. He's one of my favorite actors. Uh, but he doesn't really do shit in this movie, in my opinion. Uh, so I feel like that's a wasted thing. I feel like they waste Tyrese Gibson here, too. Uh, I feel like should have been a much bigger part, a much bigger story. They didn't really give him a whole lot to do. Uh, but I actually think Jared Leto is fine. Like, I'm with you, Brian. I think Jared Leto is a really good actor. I like, and I'm with Dustin too, like, I like a lot of his stuff. But for whatever reason, and it could just be my lack of superhero-like or whatever, I, 
he's very calm and very plain in this movie. Like there's something missing to his performance. No, and I've seen Suicide Squad, unfortunately, but he is the best part of that film. Uh, and how how eccentric he is playing the Joker. Like I I know the acting chops are there, and I just didn't get it out of this film. So I was a little disappointed in that. All in all, it's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but it just isn't for me. Uh, unfortunately, I wish it was. I wish I liked the MCU and the Sony verse and the Fox verse and the Suck This Dick verse. Whatever. I wish I liked all that, but I don't. Whoa, he doesn't you like it. You wish? Um, you wish you liked? I do have a question. I do have a question. So, because I just want this is just for my clarity. When you say that this movie gets comic booky, can you explain what you mean? Like compare compare this movie to say Underworld. What about this? Is more comic booky than like Underworld. Sure. So I do think there. I don't think it's, or at least I didn't take it this way as serious. Like when Jared Leto kind of starts to have his transformation and all the like movement from the CGI, like the, the shadow and stuff, and how like he bounces back, but like all of that kind of stuff <laughs> reminds me of a comic book movie from back in the day, like what I knew them as. Now the MCU and other movies may have you know, better acting and better CGI and better stuff. But for me, like, just like somebody kind of flying around, breaking through walls, stuff like that, that is just not something that clicks with me. And you're right to call out Underworld because there is some of that, you know. It's not the vampire aspects of Leto's character, by the way. Like, that stuff's pretty good. Like, I'm good with that. But it is the running fast as lightning, breaking through walls, having superhuman strength, all that stuff just doesn't really vibe with my personal taste, I guess. I got you. Uh, yeah, this movie is very CGI heavy, and yeah. it's like over overdone at times. So I, I get you. It's not bad CGI though. Like I'm not criticizing yeah. the CGI itself. I think it's pretty decent. Holds up pretty well. Yeah, and something I, I put in my notes too is like it's just not the typical vampire I'm used to. Like they're like you get like a lot of Matrix stuff with like the bullets flying past them, and you know I put in my notes a lot of times like they're a vampire, but they can like jump building the building like Spider Man and all that. And another thing that was a criticism of mine was the PG-13 rating. Yeah, it definitely needed to be rated R because the, the lack of blood and obvious yeah. obvious situations where blood should have splurted out sure. was very, very obvious. And I have a, I had a question that I meant to ask either Brian or Dustin. When he's drinking these blood vats, is this like, is it always like in the, in anything that Morbius appears in as a character any other time? Is it always fake blood, like not real blood, or is that like a PG-13 decision? This is the only Morbius appearance in a movie there is. Oh, um, so not even in the co- – okay. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not too familiar with the Morbius appearances okay. in the comics. Um, maybe Brian can speak more to that. I know he appeared – the first time was in a Spider-Man comic, I believe. Um, so I'm not I'm not that level of nerd. Okay. Uh, hey. I wish I was. Hey, I, but yeah. I wish I was. <laughs> I figured I, just, I would at least ask. Who's, who's got the time? It didn't make sense to me why there's blue. I don't. I really can't answer that. I was going to say it was probably a decision for the PG-13 series. Yeah, but I, I don't so. know. I don't know if if they had synthetic blood or whatever in the uh, in the comics though. But I mean, Blade but, is Marvel, and you know they're very blood heavy. I think this just has to do with the whole fact or the whole merging with the MCU that Sony's trying to do. And this whole Sony verse that I was talking about is right now is strictly Spider Man and Spider Man characters, and so. Morbius and Venom and all Venom. of these these movies that they're coming out with now they're all they're all Spider-Man bad guys they just haven't put Spider-Man in the movies yet all mm-hmm. this 
all the Spider-Man appearances have been in the MCU. And so, to touch on that a little, when you, you talk about this, the the what he's drinking, the artificial blood, I think that also was played in, you know, was played up in his character though, because you you hear his moral conflict in the movie. He said he will not kill right. again. And right. so to me, I think that was yeah, a big part true. of trying to drive home that he's trying to do what's morally right. He doesn't want to kill. He doesn't want human blood. And sure. the, but the effects start to wear off where it's good. And, you know, he even wonders when he's sitting there at the diner with uh, Dr. Bancroft, he, he wonders, what do I do when it no longer works for me? OK, so. yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, I'm going to do the scene by scene tonight. So do you guys have any other opening thoughts before I jump into it? Let's get it. So we get a pretty cool and intense score to accompany our immediate title card before we're moving to a mountainous scene. We're in Costa Rica. A helicopter flies across the sky, toting something along the way. A beautiful waterfall shot immediately makes me think Brian has lost interest in the movie. The helicopter lands and the pilot says they don't uh, need to hang out once the sun goes down. A man with crutches gets out and directs another man to set up the trap at the mouth of the cave. We find out that he's a doctor and he comments on the impressive killing ability of the vampire bat. He looks into the cave and makes a deal for a machete. He cuts his hand and holds it to the opening, causing the bats inside to awaken and mass exodus ensues. He stands there wide-eyed as the bats engulf him. Flashback to Greece 25 years prior. A young man is playing chess with himself as a car arrives. Another young boy named Lucian is introduced to Michael. Michael says that all the other boys who have come and gone have been called Milo. So he's Milo. Michael says something is missing from his DNA, and the only way to combat it is regularly scheduled oil changes. Michael tells Lucian that it's best not to be outside when school lets out before Lucian crashes. Michael calls out for help, but takes matters into his own hands to save him. A doctor commends him and recommends him for a school for the gifted in New York. Michael leaves a letter for Lucian, vowing to find a cure for the both of them. The letter flies out the window, and Lucian goes outside to discover some able-bodied bullies have found it. As they play keep away from him, he whacks one of them right in the face with a crutch. Bad move as they start whooping his ass. The doctor saves him, but not before he gets a few more shots in on the one who he walloped. Flash forward back to the future, and we see that the man in the Batcave from earlier was Michael Morbius, and he's being honored for his achievements on stage in New York. Turns out he rejected the Nobel Prize, and Dr. Bancroft interrupts his chat with a patient named Anna to scold him. He plays dumb, but then she finds his makeshift Batcave in his lab. He tells her he won't need his license much longer and explains his findings. He wants to splice vampire bat DNA with his to produce anticoagulants to find his cure. A tense score plays as he performs a test on a lab rat, which dies. Test 117 is a failure. She tells him she doesn't want to see him hurt, but he says he should have been dead a long time ago and his purpose is to find a cure. A nurse runs in to grab him and they rush away to Anna. That's the first set of scenes. What would you guys think? By the way, the uh, landscape shots were only one to two seconds. This is not Stanley Kubrick's <laughs> 35-minute landscape shot openings to his movies, so uh, that is not true. Uh, so right off the bat, and I just kind of realized that that was a pun, a bat right off the bat. Uh, ah. uh, right off the bat with the open, uh, I know this movie went through hella editing and different cuts all through the pandemic and studio interference, so some of it kind of seems wonky to me, and this open kind of seems a little bit out of place. Like I feel like the movie should have started with the flashback scene because we don't ever like come back to this cave or, or anything. He just has the bats in his lab later. So I don't know. It just kind of seems a little bit out of order and it may be, like I said, it, this went through a ton of changes and cuts. So 
it's a miracle it honestly even got to this the what we watched. I'll also say this about the open Morbius. A doctor wouldn't cut his hand like that for blood. Like he would know how many tendons and ligaments are in that hand that could be damaged. And as a doctor who uses his hands for surgery, this wouldn't be the case. But and and to speak to that, the the rest of the movie does do a good job, as far as I can tell, at making Morbius really do a good job of portraying a doctor and thinking about doctor stuff first, you know, taking the emotion out of his decisions. But this one is definitely a nitpick here for me. Um, I think the flashback scenes are great. Charlie Shotwell or Charlie Shotwell and Joseph Essen, who play young Michael and Milo, I think do a fantastic job. I truly believe they're friends. And that's definitely a testament to those two and the writing there. Um, who we haven't mentioned, Matt Sazama and Burt Sharpless both have worked together doing Dracula Untold and the Power Rangers remake in 2017. I think they did a good job with writing this. I mentioned all the problems it had so and went through with editing and cuts and stuff. So uh, I do want to give them credit for what we got. Um, I love the little Easter egg. This is the last thing I have, but I love the little Easter egg with Dr. Nicholas talking to Michael and telling him about the school for gifted children in New York. Uh, for yeah. Mike and Nico, he, Mike and Nico, he's talking about Xavier's school. Xavier's the leader of the X-Men. So anyway, nice little Easter egg and nice open. And that went right over my head, but I like knowing you. At least I know that that, that fills in some gaps, so I'm good for that. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's funny. I started this off the same way as Dustin. I said, nature shots. Brian is going to fucking hate this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I know you liked it, I still had to get that in, pal. Uh, this, you know, this like rain or this cave rainforest area kind of makes it start out like a predator film, and I'm like, ah, okay, maybe this is a little different than I thought. It's not, but uh, I think it's funny because right here in this particular scene, Jared Leto looks like somebody who would lead a cult. I'll let that sit for a little bit, <laughs> but that I'll let you use Google for that. Um, God, I hate hand slicing. In any movie, anybody that willingly slices their own hand, uh, I'm talking about The Hangover, this movie, there's a lot of them, but it just, oh, I can't stand it. And that's weirded me the fuck out. So these two things combined are all the horror that I really need, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I fucking hate bats. Um, side note, and I'm sorry for anybody that listens to this show that loves chess, but I'm about to criticize. That is a, a sleepy game, a snoozer. Unless I'm watching Queen's Gambit, I have zero interest. Uh, but apparently a lot of smart people play it, so what the fuck do I know? I mentioned Jared Harris in my opening, which I know he has a small part here as their you know, their mentor. But like he's, again, in Chernobyl and a few other things that I really do like. So I feel like shouting him out as a talented actor is worth uh, doing here. Because I'm not familiar with the character, it's hard to know if Jared Leto is actually doing a good job or not. I mentioned it in my opening where it's not necessarily that I think Leto is bad in the film. I, I just, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. It's a little, I'm a little myth because I like Leto, the actor, quite a bit. So I kind of just expected a little more, but it could be the character. And, and I understand that. Um, that's a little bit of my not having the association there. Uh, last thing, at the very least, in this portion of the movie, I am into this plot and story. Like, I'm into the friendship. Of, of, uh, of Morbius and Milo. Like, I really like the backstory that we're given so far, and I think it's very interesting uh, the way they're kind of setting up the origin story. So, so far, so good. Yeah, and I just want to say again that I was really out of my comfort zone, so I did my best. I don't have a lot of notes through the whole film, but I'm three for three with you guys. I said nature shots to start off. Hell yeah. 
But I'm sure my man Brian has this at a negative five already. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you built up your reputation, brother. Wow. I Seriously, guess so. though, these jungle Brian shots are nature. beautiful. He does hate nature. Uh, ever since I used to watch the Big Bang Theory, I've noticed how insecure or perhaps arrogant doctors are when they have to say that they're doctors. And geez, Jared Leto, that cut across your hand looked painful. And like Brian mentioned, it's pretty damn dumb and risky. Like, like you mentioned, your hands full of tendons and ligaments. You were real close to ending your whole practice, brother. Lucian, that's the most appropriate name that can be used in a vampire movie. It's horrific seeing young Milo pass out. It breaks my heart seeing children this level of sick. It, it, it kills me. I hate that. I don't mind the child prodigy approach, but fixing a highly advanced piece of medical equipment with a pen spring. I thought that was kind of lazy, but maybe I'm just being too nitpicky. I love how much the doctor believes in Michael, and I appreciate the bond between Michael and Milo. It's disgusting seeing these bullies attacking a sick kid. Like, what the hell is wrong with them? I'm not a smart man when it comes to science and chemistry, but I appreciate this conversation between Michael and Martine trying to find his cure. I guarantee that PETA lost it seeing this test mouse croak, but but actually didn't croak later on. So we'll, maybe I shouldn't have wrote that down. But you can feel the panic when the nurse says it's Anna. There's a lot going on, but like everyone else said, I'm invested so far. All right. Anna's temperature is spiking and her kidneys are failing. Michael gives her an injection and she stabilizes, and Dr. Bancroft looks back to see that the rat from earlier is back to life. It worked. Michael goes to see Milo, and Michael says they miss him at Horizon and they could use his mind. They go for a walk, and Michael tells Milo he's close to a cure. It's experimental, questionable, expensive, and illegal. Oh, and dangerous. But it could be their last chance. Milo agrees to go forward with it. Out on international waters, Michael performs a test. The DNA is stable. He's done it. Test 243 now. Human trials. Dr. Bancroft hooks Michael up and injects him in the back before strapping him down before he starts convulsing. One of the crew members goes to check on Michael and gives Dr. Bancroft some condescension before we see that Michael is unstrapped from the table. He's crawling on the ceiling and now has a vicious mouth pause. The crew members open fire on Michael. Bad move. Michael lunges at them and rips him apart. He's full on vampire now. After exiting the room and locking the door, Dr. Bancroft pleads with Michael to stop before the rest of the ship crew busts in and knocks him to the ground or knocks her to the ground. Another bad move. Michael bursts through the glass and after seeing Dr. Bancroft lying unconscious on the floor, he cleans house. Moving at the speed of light and dodging bullets like Neo in the Matrix, he's a force to be reckoned with. We get a cool looking cutscene of the final kill before flashing to Michael waking up. He sees his hand go from beast claw back to human and looks into a mirror and sees he's Jack now. Nothing like the puny, sickly fella he was before. He finds Dr. Bancroft and hears her heartbeat to discover she's still alive. That's the next set of scenes. Go ahead. That's great effects, too, by the way, when you went from being a super skinny kid to like, or skinny dude to like a, just a ripped up beast. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought that was great effects. But yeah, but I do have a few problems, though, with this open here and, and Anna. First being a plot problem, like we never see this kid again the rest of the movie. So well, was this like an editing thing or a writing thing here? Because as it stands, like what's the point to just show Michael doing, I don't know, doctor stuff or something? Because if so, maybe we should have consulted some physicians here because inducing a coma means the patient will not be able to breathe on their own and needs to be intubated and have oxygen. And that didn't happen with Anna. So basically they just killed Anna. Um, yeah, we get introduced to Matt Smith's older Milo. And like I said, he steals the show to me. Uh, I think he and Leto do just as good of a job as selling their relationship being real. And I think the dialogue isn't clunky to me and it feels genuine. 
Um, even the jokes they share, which are mostly from Michael. Uh, Leto just, I mean, he has a he has a great performance all the way around. And like I said earlier, they sell the science first, but also give him a personality with the jokes outside of that. Like like the notebook line. It was, like I said, it, was, it felt genuine. I thought it was funny. Um, another little Easter egg in this scene and the story behind the Russian bodyguards of Milo's is because he angered a Russian man while playing cards. And that's a reference to the Kravinov family and Craven the Hunter which who is a Spider-Man villain as well and long been rumored to have an upcoming movie. So just throwing that out there too. The action sequences here are very Matrix-esque, Matrix-esque. Uh, even the Spider-Man or, or Arkham video games style. Uh, I don't mean that as a slight at all. Like I, I don't know of another way you could have really shown it. I think it looks good. Uh, Digital Domain, if I'm not mistaken, did all the visual effects in this movie. And some people have complained about them. Uh, not me. It doesn't sound like you guys feel that way either. I think they look great, just in my opinion. Uh, and the last thing, they also do a pretty good job of being violent and yet not showing a ton because of the PG-13 rating. And I know we touched on this in the open, uh, but I think the slashes are pretty well done here uh, for the most part. Uh, the one in the, the base of the ship uh, on the black guy, I think, should have been hidden better. Um, lack of blood there was a little bit ridiculous. There would have been a lot of more blood spray there. But yeah, I even liked the little Freddy Krueger scratch on the pipes of the ships. So I thought that was a nice uh, nice little touch there. Yeah, you mentioned Anna, and I have it right here at the beginning. They make, like they do a good job making me care about her in a very short period of time, very limited appearance, which is why it's so fucking frustrating because we never see her again. She has no involvement in the rest of the film. And I'm like, man, that sucks because like, I kind of like that doctor patient relationship. I want that delved into a little bit more from a story, you know, in plot standpoint. And it's a little disappointing that we don't get it. Side note, nothing wrong with quoting the notebook, elite fucking film. So quote the notebook all you want. Great movie. Don't give me these looks. That is a great fucking movie. Thank you, Nico. Thank you, bud. If you're a bird, I'm a bird. Anyway, <laughs> but again, I agree with Brian. Morbius and, and you know uh, Milo's friendship seems genuine, very real. I, I, I like the interaction. You mentioned Matt Smith as well. He's the fucking Shawn Michaels of this movie. Show stealer, man. He his performance is really really solid. Um, probably the most invested uh, that I am in a character is Milo because I think there's some depth there. There's some variance, um, and I like it. I will say I'm confused at what's going on in the chair with Martine here. Uh, and again, she's convulsing, and I don't know if they did it like a really good job setting that up. I know there's the stuff with the mo- with the mouse, but or, or excuse me, the rat. But I don't know. They didn't for whatever reason. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But then, but then I will say they saved it because if you know that little video clip that everyone uses on Twitter of that guy in the cookout line, he goes, "Hey, what the fuck? That that is what happens when shit hits the fan here. That's me." I'm like, what the fuck? I was not expecting this full-blown CGI Matrix war thing that happens here in all this action. I I like that to an extent, but it is my first like, uh, uh okay. But it's not very, I mentioned comic booky. I really should come up with another term for it. Uh, that is so insulting, just not kabuki-ish. Yeah, yeah, it's a little kabuki-ish, and you know, that too. yeah, yeah. But but it's. It's a little more vampire-esque, a little more horror movie-esque, which I I liked. I was into uh, for the most part. Now, his name is Michael with pale skin and a weird-looking nose. I mean, this is – if that's not an Easter egg, I don't know what is, pal. Anyway, uh, 
another famous Michael with the same complexion. I wonder what that would be. Uh, last thing, it took me a second to figure out, because again, going into this movie cold, I don't know, fuck all about this movie or character. I just took me, oh, he's a vampire. I, had, I put it in my notes. Oh, he's a vampire. Okay. Okay. Because I was so fucking confused until it hit me. So overall, I do think, again, we're still on the part of the film. I think they lay some good groundwork. They're telling a good story. They're on the right path. I think it's a pretty decent set of scenes. Okay. The first thing I noticed was you can see the sense of urgency in Michael when he's helping Anna. You can tell he really cares about her. Dr. Martine's face when she says it worked, I thought was really well acted by her. Jared Leto and Matt Smith, both two-time DGOT alumni on the show. And I'm really looking forward to another Jared Leto movie down the road we're going to do. Okay. I mean, it's not a fun, it's not a fun watch, but it's a really good movie. Great makeup on Matt. He looks really old and sickly. I think they did a good job with that. I hate to admit, I laughed seeing the two men walking on this busy public sidewalk. I know the people behind them were fuming and pissed off at them. This is completely unnecessary, the notebook slander. Like Mike said, it's a great movie. Mike Morbius, chill out with that. Milo and Morbius both do great facial acting, displaying their fear and desperation to trying this cure that's very risky. Spinal Tap looks horrible. I pray to the good Lord I never have to get one of those. Good Lord. This guy entering the lab is such a douchebag to Dr. Martin. I'm already looking forward to his death, which uh, might end up being my favorite just because I hated him. Michael Morbius fucks these guys up. Whatever was in this care is like a sprained ankle. Nothing to play with. Martine looked hilarious passing out. Looked so unnatural. I didn't think that was well acted by her, unfortunately. more Or it might have just been the way they filmed it. Morbius has a good look, but the fighting looked like PlayStation 1 Tekken. Wasn't a fan of it. Throat slashed with blood, with no blood coming out. Like I mentioned earlier in the beginning, PG-13 rating in full effect and needed to be rated R. Morbius body transitioning back to normal, I thought it looked really good. Like his hands, I thought it looked really good. Has to be a horrifying feeling for Michael finding all these dead bodies and Martine knocked out on the ground. I thought it was another decent set of scenes, that, uh, but they were really neutered with the lack of blood. Go ahead, Dustin. All right. So Michael finds the security monitors and watches the replay of his carnage. I kind of wanted him to pull out the uh, Telestrator and go full John Madden with his film breakdown. Boom. But alas... He was in shock at what he's done, and he pukes. He puts out a mayday call and requests help. In the morning, some tugboats arrive, and the FBI, led by Roman Pierce, are scoping the scene. The man who made the mayday call wiped the security footage and jumped overboard. It appears Dr. Bancroft is the only su- survivor. Lucian, or Milo, watches the news report the next day with a look of regret on his face. Michael wears an affected disguise, a.k.a. a hoodie, and goes to visit an unconscious Dr. Bancroft in the hospital to apologize. From there... Just like anyone wanting to perfect their craft, back to the lab. He's having difficulty standing, showing the serum is losing its potency. He chugs some artificial blood, and he's back, baby. He records his thoughts and says he has an overpowering urge to consume human blood, but he feels great. He parkours around the joint and says his strength and speed are superhuman. He locks himself in his bat chamber and says he feels a kinship with him. He's developed echolocation, but he hasn't figured out how to work it yet. We get some cool visual effects of him ironing out the kinks, and he's able to throw a ball off the wall and catch it with his eyes closed. The artificial blood sustains him for six hours, but the window is shrinking. He wonders what will happen when artificial blood no longer satisfies, and what if he goes cold turkey? He locks himself in a control room and vows that what happened on the ship won't happen again. Later, he gets a visit from Milo, who finds him in a bad way. Michael directs him to grab some blood from the freezer and is in shock at what he's seen. Michael is healed but Michael refuses to give the cure to Milo. 
Milo pleads with him and says he can make the boat incident go away. Michael says it's a curse and he can't. He yells at um, Lucian or Milo and tells him to leave and his face transitions into the vampire version for a moment. Tyrese and his FBI partner go to visit Dr. Bancroft in the hospital now that she's awake to ask her what happened on the ship. They show her some photos and she says she doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't really remember. Tyrese asks about Morbius before giving his giving her his card and leaving. Go ahead. Look, Morbius's uh, disguise with a hoodie is better than most of the Marvel disguises, where all they w- they put on the, a blank cap and that's it. Like that, yeah. that's that's the disguise for most of the time. Clark Kent just wearing a pair of black glasses. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna let you get away with that. Freaking Joe Goldberg has a better disguise than this motherfucker. Man. This motherfucker, I think he solos the co out here with his hoodie like nobody could recognize him. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say I'm not the biggest fan of the, the two FBI agents. Uh, I, I know they're here to, to add another level of adversity for Michael, but at no time does it ever feel like that they matter in this movie. And there's a part I'll get to a little bit later, but you know, to add to that, you have Roman Pierce slash Tyrese. I called him Roman Pierce yeah. too, Dustin. Um, nice. playing the straight, playing the straight guy to Al Madrigal's comic relief. And that's just bad casting. I think uh, no offense to Madrigal. I guess it is all the offense to Madrigal actually, but I think he's awful. Like it's, it's awful casting. Like maybe it could have worked with the roles reversed. I don't know because we know Tyrese can play the comic relief role, but, um, do you even need that? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, you can have them both play it straight. I just, I think it's just a dumb addition that doesn't really do it for me. So sorry, Madrigal. I guess we won't have you on the show now, but yeah, bad and annoying. There's another cool little Easter egg here. When Michael returns to the ICU to check on Martine, uh, you guys will actually get and appreciate this one. When he's reading the chart, the intercom says the name Michael Corvin, the name of the werewolf in Underworld. Um, if you remember in Underworld 1, Corvin was going through the final stages to becoming uh, of becoming a surgeon. So I thought that was a nice little touch. I also want to say I love Leto's acting when the serum is wearing off as he goes for the goes for the fake blood. I mean, showing his legs start to not work again. I think he did a great job doing that. And while we're talking about very cool stuff, I think the sonar shit is very cool. Like how it's shown with the effect and all of his, quote, testing of all his abilities and, and pushing himself to the limit. Again, very scientific, and I like that a lot. Um, now, they did miss something when Michael gets in the tank with the bats. Uh, his hair, clothes, nothing moves at all. And the amount of wind in that thing from the bats flapping their wings, like that's definitely a CGI blunder, I think, where they missed there. Um, and the last thing I'll say here, Milo is me. Like I said during one of our earlier vampire movie reviews, but I'll say it again here, it bears repeating. Like if you're my friend and a vampire, you better fucking turn me as well. Like it's, it's pretty much it's bullshit if you don't. Like I get it, Milo. I get it. So go ahead. I'll touch on that a little bit later because I have a point about how we got to, to my, come on, that's not, that's not pot. Come on. That's a general phrase everyone uses. I didn't say come anything. On. You're just talking about touching on things later. Everyone uses that, man. Come on. Anyway, <clears throat> I think this is a really strong scene of him kind of watching the security footage back. I think it kind of, it, at the very least, like is aware of the actions that took place. I, and I really like it. it it's, so far, we're still in a good story, you know, plot narrative driven. Like, I really like it. And here's Tyrese and FBI agents. And I just think they completely fucking waste these characters. Like, I don't think they're interesting. 
They don't give them anything really of substance to do. They're just some kind of foil for Morbius. And I, I don't think it's necessary. Like, I don't think the characters should even be there. Um, and I know, you know, Tyrese may have gotten, what, maybe a few extra people to come watch the movie, but it doesn't seem like it after looking into the numbers. So I feel like that's a wasted face, man. I mean, you know, pretty big star. But anyway, uh, uh, we already touched on his hooded disguise. Uh, just, no, that's that's some Joe Goldberg levels of shit. I don't know. Absolutely not. Checking anything out of, like, what looks like an ID bag really gives me the, the heebie-jeebies. That doesn't sound super fun or clean or sterile or anything, and that just, uh, no, thank you. It kind of made me feel a little nauseous. Uh, but this is where the movie flips for me just a smidge, where we get a little bit, oh, he has superpowers now. He, 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 you know, the movie just starts to kind of lose me here. And I already talked about how irrational that is, but it's just how I feel. I said, but that's all vampires, though, whenever they turn. I mean, they basically got superpowers for the most this part, This still right? feels, yeah, compared to some of the, ain't some you of the other... I have, unfortunately. Wow. Uh, wow. Good movie. No, huh. it's not. No, it's okay. not. All right. I mean, I, no. it's fine. I've seen yeah, worse movies. Uh, mm. I mean, I Bruno like exists. Uh, I'm just saying, worse movies exist. Bruno exists. Um, rubber. Yeah, rubber's pretty Human bad. Human centipede. No, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Fuckers. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> Go uh, ahead. Uh, you're fine. I just meant the over-the-topness with it. I guess, Brian, him turning into the same bolt mixed with Ronnie Coleman as far as speed and strength just really aren't moving the needle for me. Uh, just, I don't know, that just takes it from, not that this is believable, but like I said, it's irrational. If we're talking about vampires here in this setting, but this somewhat grounded in some kind of reality that we have so far, this is where it takes that turn for me, where he's bouncing off walls, he's breaking through them, flying over them, Doing whoop, you know, loop de doos in the middle of the air, just not for me. Starts to lose me here, and at some point, that's unfortunate because they've done a really good job of setting up the characters here, and it's just, yeah, this is where the movie kind of starts to take a little bit of a turn for me. I have less to say after this, I promise. <laughs> Vomiting after seeing what happened seems like an appropriate response from Michael. No clue how I'd react. I mean, that's got to be tough to process everything I just done. And this probably isn't fair, but I just can't take Tyree seriously after the what more do you want from me video. Just good Lord. The clown painting on the wall of Milo's house is horrifying. Who the hell would want that there? Uh, Morbius is doing his best Jack Torrance impression, throwing that ball against the wall in his lab. Shout out to The Shining. Phenomenal movie. And this is where my simple man mind kicks in. I just thought the energy radiating from his body, those blue waves. I thought it looked cool as hell. Uh, this runs on a little long, but I like how he's vlogging and noting all his findings as we see his body reacting to the blood. Michael has better handwriting with a bloody finger than I do with a pen and paper. I uh, I have horrible handwriting, <laughs> if anybody didn't know that. Milo has to feel inspired and horrified by Morbius in this glass cage. Uh, and I guess I disagree with you guys, but in the big first half of the movie, Matt Smith, I thought it was great in Last Night in Soho, but these interactions with Michael, I didn't think he was that great. Uh, I think he gets better, but I didn't think he was that great in the beginning. I deeply apologize to Tyrese and Al Madrigal. I think that's how you say his name. But these guys aren't believable at all as the detectives in this interrogation with Martine. But I did think the set of scenes was decent. And I'm not a fan of the detectives either, Brian. So I'm only going to get worse and worse as it goes on. 
I, I, I completely agree. I think that Tyrese was miscast. Al Madrigal, you know, is what it is. I think if they had a different guy cast opposite of him, but we're used to seeing Tyrese. I mean, he's Roman Pierce, who is a complete moron. Like he is the comic, <laughs> you know, he's the comedic relief. And so if we, uh, if you had someone else cast there, I think it would have been better. Anyway, a nurse hangs up some x-rays and as she's walking away, the lights start flickering and she's terrified. She runs down the hall before they stop flickering and she catches her breath. A vampire hand grabs her by the throat and pins her up to the wall. We get a look from down the hall as she screams and is taken down. Back in Anna's room, Dr. Morbius sits with wide eyes and hears some voices until he snaps out of it. He walks out of the room to see people rushing down the hall to the dead body. He looks confused and heads back to his lab. He takes all the artificial blood and heads out in his disguise, a.k.a. the fucking hoodie. It doesn't stop the FBI from finding him, though, and Tyrese thanks him for his artificial blood saving his life. They ask him how he is on boats, but Morbius says he doesn't have good sea legs. I thought that was funny. The FBI radio says, lock the joint down, and as they do, or as they go to handcuff Morbius, he opens a can of whoop-ass on them and runs away. He leaps several stories up and scales a stairway to the stairway to the uh, rooftop where he ditches his bag and takes a leap, but he's detained. They take him to a detention center where he writes in his journal that the intervals of artificial blood, uh, the effectiveness is down from six hours to four hours and 22 minutes. Tyrese and his partner go in to interrogate him armed with holy water. I thought that was funny too. They tell him the dead men on the boat aren't enough to ruffle their feathers, but the single mom nurse is. He doesn't know why he did it. He tells him he needs the bag of artificial blood and he needs it badly. They sp- then he spoofs the Incredible Hulk and says they won't like him when he's hungry. And he lets out a growl. Back in his cell, a lawyer comes to visit him. It's Milo. He tells Milo that he's being charged with murder. He says maybe he blacked out. Milo says he doesn't believe it and that he knows Michael and he only ever wanted to help people. When visitation is over, Milo drops a, blood of, a bag of blood on the bed on his way out. Michael discovers that Milo has left his cane behind and we see that Milo is walking fine now. Enraged, Michael drinks the blood, and it's Morbin time. He does his best juggernaut impression and bursts through the uh, cell wall like the Kool-Aid man on steroids. Making his escape, he leaps from building to building before stopping to hear Milo buy a newspaper and eventually kill the merchant for besmirching Michael's good name. He uses his bat dar to hone in on his location and confront him for taking the serum. Milo admits to killing the nurse, but says he didn't know how to control his powers. After saying he won't go back, Milo gets the vamp face, and says he won't go back before knocking Michael to the ground and taking off. Michael gives chase, and they fight through a subway station. Some cops try to apprehend them, but Milo goes vampire mode and kills them all. He turns his aggression towards Michael, but Michael says he won't fight him. Milo runs towards him, and we get some wicked slow-motion effects to show how much time slows down for Morbius. He jumps in front of a train and flies away. Go ahead. (laughs) I love the it's Morbin time that you threw in there. Uh, (laughs) You're welcome. If you don't know what he's talking about, there was uh, a lot of uh, rumors that the script actually had written in the script of him saying it's Morbin time. And I don't think that, I think that was debunked, but Jared Leto did make a, uh, a TikTok video or Instagram video, some sort of clip of him jokingly reading a script called like it's Morbin time part two. But anyway, that's where, that's where all that came from. But I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I will say at the start of this though, it's kind of weird that nobody would find the nurse's body until the morning. Uh, but with that said, I mean, it is a bizarre, different sort of hospital anyway. So, you know, and speaking of that, I mean, not real sure what was going on with the whole light situation in the hallway. I don't, I don't know. I mean, his vampire powers doesn't make the lights go off. So I don't know. it made for a good shot, but it didn't make a lot of sense to me. 
Also, this is what I was referring to earlier when I said the FBI thing was dumb. I mean, you're telling me Agent Tyrese caught up to him that quick after getting his ass kicked in the lobby, and then Morbius couldn't have just easily disarmed him like he did the guys at the start? I mean, I, I hated that. I also didn't like the whole holy water joke, so I'm sorry, Dustin, I disagree with you there. Um, by what detective dipshit? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, again, what is happening here? When when Morbius Morbius he could easily break these handcuffs and and just dip out anytime. So it made no sense to me that he would sit there through this whole entire thing. Um, if he was weak and and needed the blood, I mean, okay, but he's shown walking around perfectly fine. So there was no cue that he was weak. You know, like we got earlier with him starting to not be able to walk. So I don't know. I didn't really catch that whole thing. Um, I did like the whole little Kaiser Soze nod when Milo was uh, was leaving the jail cell um, with that same camera shot on his feet as they did uh, in that movie, too. Um, and he just started walking correctly. But then immediately you see Michael punch the wall to his cell. And so you're telling me the guards heard a thud and then immediately ran to get all their fucking assault rifles. That kind of seemed a little bit like overkill. But anyway, it's another little nitpick. Um, was Milo killing the newspaper guy. And yet he's shown like later with zero blood on his shirt after. So I don't know, maybe that was added in post, but that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Um, so yeah, this group of scenes at this point was my least favorite in the whole movie here. But the ending here with their conversation in the street and then the subway, I thought was awesome. Like the effects with them fighting uh, and Matt Smith's amazing over-the-top scene-stealing performance, dancing, uh, killing after killing those police officers. But most of all, it was that really fucking awesome shot showing Michael riding the wind down the subway tunnel. I thought, man, well, that was badass. Now, I didn't really understand why Milo was shown walking so slow or running so slow towards Michael because when he has the same powers, I didn't really understand how like he could be really going that slow. Wouldn't they both just be really going fast? But kind of threw me for a loop. But overall, I didn't care for that. Uh, this whole entire group of scenes except for the end. So... To, I could be completely off base here. I, I, I could be in a different fucking time zone here. I think it, I talked it up to the serum is stronger for Michael because it was it was formulated with his DNA. So maybe, oh, maybe okay. I, like I, I I just excuse this. Okay, it's it's taken to him better because it was form, like he's the one formulated with his DNA spliced, and so that's that's also why I chalked it up in the end. You know what happens at the end? The reason, yeah, one, okay beat the other is he's a little stronger i could be wrong okay all right well, hey, there you go. all right so the reason i mentioned not liking the uh <laughs> the fbi agents earlier is because of this set of scenes where finally we get some interaction with with leto and these guys and it 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 feels like it's all for nothing like like i felt like okay we're finally getting you know maybe something is really about to pop off here and then all of a sudden uh michael morbis turns into john claude van damme where he's able to just know all these crazy extreme fight moves. And I know he has powers now, but for me, it's just so hard to like compartment or not, not compartmentalize the character we just saw. And now he's a totally different thing. Like it just for me, and maybe that is why the, the whole superhero thing doesn't click for me. I don't know. Um, I gotta say, I was not expecting him to get caught though and thrown in a jail cell. That was added some more realism back. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, now how we get out of that is not my favorite, but credit to them for actually doing that. I thought that was, you know, at least interesting. Um, 
know, and then it, I like this stuff with Milo because Matt Smith is really good here. You mentioned Kaiser Sose, absolutely. Uh, and I liked all their interactions, and I like this, you know, where Matt, where, excuse me, Milo's kind of turning into the bad guy here. I like that. Um, but I, I don't know if they fleshed that out enough. You know, you mentioned the reason being because he didn't give him the serum to help him in the same way. I guess that's enough, but I really wish that was fleshed out just a little more. And then, and, and that's probably a nitpick. I just wanted to see the a little bit more of a slow turn against his friend, I guess. Uh, but that's just me. But I think that's a great scene in the cell, and, and I think it's done really well. Um, I like that choice quite a bit. These two fighting <laughs> – if you go back to the first 15 minutes of the film, these two being at each other was not on my bingo card. So I think they set that up and it kind of surprised me quite a bit. I thought that was good. Um, I will say, and this is the last thing I have because even the stuff in the subway, it's just, I don't know. It started to lose me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But when he says, I will not fight you, or I'm pretty sure it says, I will not fight you. I sure Dustin may know where I'm going with this. It reminds me of the undertaker. WrestleMania 14 build. I will not fight you, Kane. Orlo Kane. Oh, sorry. I had to do my man Paul Bear there. <laughs> you burned the funeral. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going Terry Funk. I thought you were about to drop a, your mother's a whore. Was a whore. Hey, if you've ever noticed, Paul Bear and Terry Funk are basically the same boys. Oh, yes. <laughs> Welcome to the wrestling podcast. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, if I was his nurse, I'd be scared as hell with these noises and these flashing hallway lights. I feel bad for her. She's just doing her job as a nurse and gets got by a goddamn vampire. Man, we need to show our nurses respect. These detectives aren't good at all, fellas. We got a $75 million budget. Sorry, Mike, but I looked it up. And we get this pathetic acting. Uh, they no, should have spent. <laughs> I'm with you, bud. No, I, they yeah. they could have got somebody better. Morbius superpowers, bouncing around, doing some things looks cool, but I don't know if these Matrix bullet slow motions are necessary. I think that's I'm kind of with Mike when it kind of gets a little comic-y for me. You don't want to see me when I'm hungry. All right, man. My man Dustin was hating on Frozen a couple weeks ago with the great dialogue, and look at this shit. Oh, I no, can't no, no, lie no. more. No, 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 no. That's oh, a yeah. callback to the Incredible Hulk, Lou Ferrigno in the 70s. His catchphrase, you won't like me when I'm angry. This yeah. is just a tip of the cap. This is not yeah. fuck off. Yeah. That doesn't mean I, it was good. By the I'm way. here to tell you right now. Yeah. We don't care. We don't care. <laughs> hey, won't you shit and fall in it, pal? <laughs> I'm assuming you're talking to Mike because he probably would do that. But anywho. <laughs> I have actually done that on Dustin's board, as a matter of fact. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Let me find my spot. Pause. All right. I can <laughs> Leave it in. Hey, hey you can't find the. Well, Nico's still laughing. How about this? How about this pickup line for you, Mike? If you're ever single again, and I don't plan for you to be, and I hope you're not, but if I, you're ever I hope single I'm again, not here's a good pickup line for you. Hey, can I get in your pants? Because I just shit in mine. <laughs> All, right. All right. I can't lie. Morbius and Milo make me feel like a bum. These guys have deadly blood diseases and, I, and became doctors and lawyers. Where the hell did I go wrong? <laughs> Maybe I haven't seen enough vampire movies, but when do they get Spider-Man building jumping abilities? I can't really blame Milo taking the serum. Like Brian mentioned a little bit ago, being a blood-sucking vampire is better than dying as a cancer patient. Love these camera shots following Milo and Morbius running through the subway. 
Milo attacking the police is badass, but yet again, this PG-13 rating and lack of blood really neuters its impact. I love how Milo's embraced being a villain so quickly. I thought it was another fun set of scenes. All right. Tyrese and crew check out the ruckus at the subway and say to keep an eye on Dr. Bancroft. She's at home now, and we see Milo watching her from the street below. The next day, she realizes that she's being followed, and she ducks off into a bodega. After shaking the fuzz, she hops on a bus and reads the paper, where Morbius is seated a row behind her. He tells her he didn't kill anyone. She says that Milo took the serum, or he says that Milo took the serum, and he has to be stopped. They stop for a cup of coffee, and she offers him a cup that's sitting in the sunlight to test his effect, but he's not that kind of vampire. He apologizes to her for taking her on the ship, but she says she wanted to be there. He tells her he feels great, but he fears what will happen when it stops working. He overhears some guys at the register bullying the cashier into taking fake money, and he puts his trusty hoodie up to pursue them. He grabs some blood from a nearby EMT, kind of convenient if you ask me, and uses his bat dart to focus in on their voices and locate them. He finds their lair and says he wants their lab. One of the guys tries to stab Morbius, but he breaks his hand and says he's Venom. I thought that was funny. The thugs all run away, and Morbius goes to work. He uses their machines to build one of his own, and then we see Milo dancing and getting dressed. It was kind of reminiscent of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the, the dance scene. It was kind of... Anyway, uh, he gives a quick vamp face to the mirror before we cut to an overhead view of a bustling downtown. In a club, Milo orders a tequila before a woman says she knows him. A guy takes exception to Lucian risen up his lady before making a fatal mistake by shoving Lucian. Milo walks away. Sorry, guys. I interchanged Milo and Lucian a lot in my notes. I don't know why. Uh, Milo walks away, but as the guy and his buddies are leaving the club, Milo is waiting on a building above. He swoops down and we hear a scream. Ladies and gentlemen, he got him. Dr. Bancroft walks into the lab where Lucian is waiting for her. He says he's worried about Michael and asks where he is. She denies and he leaves, but not before making it as tense as possible. The police raid Dr. Bancroft's home, but she's not home. In the lab with Michael, she cuts her finger trying to feed a cat, and it almost sends my boy into a frenzy. He says he feels primal. She stops the bleeding and meets Michael up on the roof for some tonsil hockey, and Milo is playing Peep and Tom from across the way. The FBI get the CCTV footage of what happened at the nightclub and discover that it wasn't Michael. The news says that Michael is the prime suspect, but there may be more than one, more than one killer. Milo's doctor goes to visit him and tries to reason with him, but Milo doesn't want any part of that. After he tells Milo he's repulsed by what he's become, Milo vamps out and lays waste to him. Back with Morbius, Dr. Bancroft is researching how to kill vampires while Michael works on how, uh, works on an antidote. He says that by tomorrow his window will be closed and he refuses to consume human blood. Milo's doctor calls Michael and tells him he went to see Milo. Morbius goes back to check on him, where he finds him grasping for the last bit of life he has left, and he tells Morbius that he has to stop Milo. Go ahead. Um, I like the uh, Daily Bugle Easter egg on the bus. Yeah. Uh, apparently there was even some scenes shot with J. Jonah Jameson played by J.K. Simmons, but with the change in scheduling and, and Spider-Man No Way Home coming out and it being set up that it's in a different universe, they they cut that whole part. But I did like the Daily Bugle Easter egg that they did leave in there uh, with the paper. Um, that joke with him burning in the sunlight, reaching for the coffee, that was a good one. I laughed at that one. Uh, another little fun fact, all of the New York scenes are filmed in Manchester's northern quarter in the U.K., uh, all the city lights, signs, and license plates were, were changed to match those found in, found in uh, New York. Probably part of that $75 million budget, as I said. Michael still forget to do it. Um, 
the middle of the set of scenes here and the uh the lab morbius takes over does feel a little wonky and, and convenient uh but then again you know we're we're dealing with movie logic so it is what it is but but scenes like this i don't i don't think are necessary like show more of him testing the compound out earlier or a little more to this third act so it doesn't kind of seem so rushed um stuff like why would the girl take more fake money to pass the one bill from these guys like i don't know it just she's going to have the same exact issue trying to pass that that money so i don't know it just i don't know it, i didn't it didn't do it for me um but it was his leave the spicy nachos um this is this is where a mysterious guy comes in in a hoodie i thought that it's just unnecessary i i think you could have accomplished the same thing with him just saying uh same to martine like i've got another lab up and going like that was it like i didn't have to see all of that weird uh, it just i didn't like it um more of matt smith stealing the show though with milo's dancing to the song uh, off the meds by exa uh which i've seen a lot of hate on that scene but i thought it was great and the music choice i thought was perfect the rest of the set of scenes is fine uh, but I wanted to really point out the part where Martine cuts her hand and you see Morbius struggling with it in the blood. And I really enjoyed that part like that. I thought that was really cool. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This may be my least favorite. It may be. No, it is my least favorite set of scenes in the film. This is just where everything gets really. And it could be user or size operator error where I'm just I'm not able to follow along. I don't know what's going on. I'm not invested in the characters. This set of scenes has a lot of Martine who kind of disappeared for a whole act of the movie. I know she was kind of banged up or whatever, but it didn't. I don't know. For whatever reason, like I don't really care about this character. So I'm having a hard time even buying this like love relationship that we get with Michael Morbius here. Like there's just a lot of stuff that I'm not really, and maybe there's backstory there. I'm not familiar with. I don't know, but it did. It didn't work for me, brother. Um, you mentioned the dancing scene. I thought it was pretty fucking funny. I I was kind of in the mode of waiting for something to happen, and that was at least something. Uh, and so I was like, all right, this, this is a little, you know, fun part, a little comic relief. Um, yeah. And again, I just feel like story gets convoluted here. Uh, I feel like there's, you know, you mentioned the movie feeling rushed, Brian, and I actually have it in my next set of scenes notes, but I want to say it right here. I think that it is. Like, I think there was probably a decent amount of this that was cut. And I can't be wrong about that because there's some stuff that looks like, oh, where's this going? And then they cut to a different part of the movie. And I'm like, huh, okay. And that tends to happen a lot in this set of scenes to me. So I felt like there's probably a decent chunk of this movie that's just missing. Maybe there's some more story stuff. Maybe there's, you know, some more action. I don't know. But all in all, I just thought it was a bland set of scenes. And, and again... Remember, the first half of the film, I'm in. But this, man, this back half is just, I'm sorry, it's just its just boring as fuck to me. I can't help it. All right, we're starting to set the scenes off with more good acting from the FBI detectives. Sarcasm font. And the Daily Beagle, that's such a superhero movie newspaper name. I, I actually like that. That was a funny little vampire gag, faking like the sun hurt his skin in that cafe. I thought that was funny. I agree with you, Brian. Man said the stinky pinky. Great dialogue. I can't believe this whole guy's printing fake bills is how we're going. Like like you mentioned, Brian, I can't believe the guy's printing fake bills is how we got here to Michael finding a new lab. I don't know why that stuck out to me, and it just didn't work for me at all. Milo has been almost crippled his whole life. It can cut a rug this good already? Hell yeah, brother. 
And then I, I, I'm not sure if like this guy is the boyfriend or not, but I were LOL. The lady calls the boyfriend a jerk for calling out the guy who's trying to buy her a drink. I thought that was nasty work. Matt Smith's acting has gotten much more believable and better as a villain. I like them a lot, a lot better as the villain. The detectives have such a weak presence on screen. Both these guys are so poorly miscast. Or maybe it's just Tyrese. I don't know. And we finally reached the point in the movie when Dr. Martin and Morbius become romantic because we all knew that was coming. Detective Rodriguez with an unnecessary jab at Agent Simon for no reason, calling him lazy getting the CCTV footage. I can't, uh, I guess I've just spent half the review hating on these detectives, but I think it was well earned. Hearing someone say they're repulsed by you has got to be painful as hell. That's like the old, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. That cuts right to the, right, right to the heart. The blood on Dr. Nicholas' shirt looks awful, and I'm not a fan of Milo's vampire look in this scene. But I still thought it was decent, even despite my critiques. All right, let's wrap it up and go home. Morbius hears his name being said, and we see Milo trying to force Dr. Bancroft to call out for Michael. Morbius uses his echolocation to track down their whereabouts, and he's off. He flies through the city and finds Dr. Bancroft laid out on a rooftop. They share a smooch, and she bites his lip to get his blood in her mouth. Morbius is furious and bites her neck, and Milo shows up to antagonize him. Then, like the lead singer of 30 Seconds to Mars would say, Morbius tells Lucian, you say you want it more. What are you waiting for? I'm not running from you. <clears throat> they fly Jesus through the air and have Christ. a hell of a fight, and Milo gets the best of Morbius before throwing him off a building and crashing with him through the ground to the sewers. Michael lets out a hellacious screech and drops to the ground. The screech summoned the army of bats, and they fly in and swarm around, uh, swarm and surround Michael and Lucian, reviving Morbius in the process. Lucian charges at him with a metal pipe in hand, and Michael uses his winged rodent friends to subdue him. He injects Lucian with the antidote, and Lucian pleads with him. The touching moment humanizes Morbius again, and Lucian is a goner. The FBI arrive on scene, and an approximate fuck, t- fuck ton of bats fly out of the hole in the ground. We see Dr. Bancroft is still alive and Morbius flies out or flies off as the movie ends. Or so we think. As with most Marvel movies, there is a post-credit scene or a mid-credit scene. So the first one, we get a purple flash crosses the sky and we cut to a cell where Adrian Toomes looks in the mirror. He hopes the food is better here. He has been transferred here to an empty cell from somewhere else and could be released immediately. In the next credit scene, a car speeds down a road before coming to a stop. Morbius gets out and looks at his watch. Adrian Toomes flies in in his vulture suit and says he's not sure how he got there, but he thinks Spider-Man has something to do with it, and guys like them should team up. Morbius is intrigued, and the movie is actually over this time. What'd you guys think? Uh, I like the ending. You know, I, I do think it was a little bit rushed, like we talked about earlier, um, just this last thirty minutes or so. But I would have loved, liked to have seen a little bit more of Martine turned. Uh, but I think, I mean, I hope that the plan is for her to show up, you know, in the universe down the line a little bit. Um, I think having her as a villain fighting Spider-Man and, and again, Morbius kind of making Morbius more conflicted. I think that's a good plan. Uh, that's a comic book route. So hopefully they go that way. Uh, an epic I had during the final fight, like we had two, these two guys, they were thrown through walls off buildings, but their suits, man, their suits must've been made of some of that John Wick shit because they were undamaged. Uh, definitely another oversight, I think, in my opinion, from digital domain. Uh, but I enjoy the ending. You know, talking about the post credit scene, again, a reminder that this got pushed back because of the pandemic. So Spider-Man No Way Home came out first. 
uh, with the whole multiverse explanation. So yeah, this post credit scene definitely seemed very wonky. I've used wonky three fucking times. I've just noticed in this in this review, but whatever. Uh, probably the f- only three times I've ever used it ever in the show. But um, especially the the second uh, uh, post credit scene seems very forced. Like I saw behind the scenes where it was changed. So Morbius isn't reacting to what Michael Keaton, Adrian Toomes is saying at the time. So that does explain why his responses seem so bizarre. Um, but the first one I thought was fine, you know, and it explained why Toomes was now in this Spider-Man universe and not uh, in the MCU anymore. Um, but the second setting at the center of seven, I, I didn't know. I didn't really care for that. Go ahead. Yeah. I like the story part of the end. Like I, you know, like I've mentioned, I love the way they set up these characters, the friendship, the kind of, you know, going in opposite directions and now they're against each other. Like I liked how they built that up. So I do like that we get some final conflict battle here. I think it looks great. I think the effects look great. Uh, And I do like the fact that Morbius had to kind of make his own creation to kill off this version of a vampire simply because it's not, you know, like a movie vampire where sunlight or, you know, cross or whatever kills a vampire in this. It has to be something that he creates. So I thought that was a nice touch, and I thought their final battle was really cool. Uh, Again, Matt Smith, fantastic. And the stuff with Martine, like I said, I don't care about her characters. I could kind of take her leave, and I know she's now a vampire, I'm guessing, question mark. That's what I took away. Uh, That's fine. I just... Uh, again, I'm not super invested in her character, but I do, I do think that makes sense. So I was, I was on board with that. I will completely, 100% transparency. I had no fucking clue what was going on in these mid credit scenes. Not a fucking clue, man. You guys laid it out, and that's awesome. And I, by the way, I think that's cool because as a as a pro wrestling fan, when one when a wrestler from one company wrestles for another company, I think that shit's cool. So I'm not That's what shitting right. I'm not no, shitting like- on that. I'm just <laughs> telling you I don't like I don't fucking know. It's like if Brian were watching the Royal Rumble and and Moose comes out from TNA, Dustin knows who that is. Brian's like, who the fuck is Moose? It's the same thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would be the exact same thing. So yeah. all in all, I thought the ending was actually better than what you know came before it, but the the uh mid credit scenes, I don't have any strong feelings about it except it looked cool you know it made me kind of wish i was a part of it but i i'm not going to be so there's that <laughs> you could be you could be. i'm not the move no, no Mike, absolutely michael keaton michael keaton definitely walked through the forbidden door that's that's basically what happened. okay well cool that's good <laughs> all right i thought the morbius flying jumping to save martine i thought it was some some really dope action sequences and i'll and like you just mentioned mike uh-oh blood dripped into her mouth I'm sure we'll be revisiting that soon. I thought the CGI blood as Milo slash Michael's gut, I thought it looked horrible. Michael attacking Milo with a swarm of bats reminded me of Winnie the Pooh attacking that redneck with all the bees, but with a bigger budget and a scarier creature. Michael, you can't kill me. It's me. I couldn't take that seriously with the accent and the CGI face. I just thought it was a, I think it's a fun way for Morbius to end by him giving into his powers and flying away with the bats. I did like that. We get a post-credit scene with the legend Michael Keaton, and like Mike mentioned, I have no I, no clue what character he's supposed to be, but it's cool seeing him. Adrian Toomes, yeah, no clue who this guy is. Another post-credit scene, I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. I don't know if you guys thought it was or not, 
but no clue what character that was either, but I'm sure the superhero movie folks loved it. And uh, that's all I got. It was the same I character. Was very, yeah, it was uh, same, same guy. Oh, see, same no guy. clue. No clue. <laughs> it was Michael Keaton. He just had mechanical wings. <laughs> it's Vulture. Then why the fuck did they do two different ones? Yeah, I That's didn't, how Marvel I, movies do, dude. There's yeah, usually just two, maybe way. three. See, I feel like th- this movie was probably supposed to be like two and a half hours, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. There's no way it was. Because yeah, I, the, I more so. I, the more I listen to y'all talk, I was like, this shit did feel kind of rushed, like towards yeah. the end. All those scenes with Michael Keaton were supposed to be in the film, no? At least some of them. No. They were supposed one to be of them was shown in the trailer. I've seen the trailer. They, I think that was just a way to get people, hey, watch That's the post credits. <laughs> more marketing, but I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Well, uh, we're going to jump into social media now. I'll do Instagram and X if Nico can do Facebook since I don't have the book of faces. We'll start with Instagram. Friend of the show, Steven Rodriguez. This one made me laugh. He said, my thoughts and prayers. I saw this in 4DX and the seats would move when Jared Leto would walk at a decent pace. Kind of wish the theater caught fire. Would have been a better experience <laughs> for me at least. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> So I guess he didn't oh, like the movie. Shit, Steven. And then Steven, optional, I hope you get back to Twitter, bud. Optional 30, 13th Ghost said, I remember seeing the trailer for this film for months because it kept getting pushed back. Not that I had high hopes going in, but this was a rough, uh, rough watch. Jared Leto literally moped through his scenes. The CGI was incredibly heavy-handed, and it wasn't even good. Overall cookie-cutter and uh, predictable. I uh, definitely I disagree with that. With the pre- I agree with the predictable part. I'll get to that when I give my thoughts. Well, most of the MCU it, movies are. If we're being honest. Formulaic, yeah. Yeah. Um, Over on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, when they had one comment, I guess people really don't fuck with this movie, man. Not a lot of comments this week, but Anita Russell said, I I know this movie was edited very badly, but I still like it. Hell yeah. There you go. Hey, we got three of them over on the Book of Faces. Okay. And uh, at least one of them is (laughs) positive. But the first one is from Sean Irwin. Why would you do this to yourselves? Movie could have been fantastic. But they shit the bed hard with it. Jared Leto was stale and Matt Smith boring. Mm, okay. Disagree. Kevin Potoff, I was really excited about this project. Marvel had made so many great movies. Then they crapped out this mess. Hard to follow and completely boring. Thanks for the great podcast. <laughs> wow. Well, appreciate appreciate the uh, the love there for the podcast. Yeah, though. appreciate that. Hey, that's all that really matters here. Come on. But, but Cheyenne Turner is about to show some love, Dustin. Okay, right. I know I'm in the minority, but I didn't hate this movie. Don't get me wrong, it's not good, but I saw a lot worse the year it came out. Maybe because it was under three hours and I didn't have to use PTO to see it, or maybe because I had a gift card. Who the hell knows, but I didn't totally hate it with, with two laughing emojis. <laughs> gift card movies do help, I'm telling you. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. That's it for, for Facebook. It. All right. Uh, we'll do trivia next. Brian, you got any fun facts? You want to go ahead and Brian? Yeah, I got a few. Mike? Okay. Um, we all know the stories of Jared Leto and his notorious method acting, which I hold my opinion on you know, to myself because method acting in general is whatever. But apparently Jared Leto committing to uh, capturing Michael Morbius's limping state and used crutches even off camera. This proved to be troublesome for the crew at times when the actor reportedly took 45 minute treks to the bathroom. Pushing him in a wheelchair was a loophole solution around these delays. But with that said, Leto did claim that he didn't have to use method acting for this role because Michael Morbius's personality was so close to his own, in his opinion. 
Okay. That limb okay. shit's annoying. Get your ass to the fucking bathroom, asshole. Yeah, for real. You're holding up everybody's God damn, dead. Goddamn Jim Carrey. We got to refer to him as Andy Kaufman. Fuck out of here, Jim. <laughs> Uh, the original cut dead. had the original cut had Carnage as one of the Morbius's prisoners before the film was reshuffled and placed eight movies ahead of where it was originally you know going to be. Um, just so you guys know, Woody Harrelson plays Carnage um, in the in uh, Venom Two. Um, I've mentioned this to Dustin, and I don't know if I'll ever get another chance to say it on air, so I'm going to say it here. But I'm firmly on the boat of the Sony verse being Andrew Garfield's Spider Man universe. Uh, hopefully I'm proven right down the line and, and, you know, they'd be idiots, I think, to not use them and cash in double time on, on Spider-Man. But I think his mm-hmm. comments in No Way Home about not pulling back his punches and then the word murderer was sprayed painted over a picture of Spider-Man on the wall in this movie's, you talked about the trailer, uh, that scene was, or was on the wall in the subway in the trailer, but it was the cut out of the movie, I guess. Um, and lastly, because we've covered Blade, Morbius had a brief cameo in the deleted alternate ending of Blade 1998, uh, played by director Stephen Norrington, as a tease for his planned appearance as the main villain in Blade 2. However, he wasn't included in the sequel because Marvel had sold the character's rights to Artisan Entertainment to produce a standalone Morbius film that was ultimately never made. Yeah, I don't have any uh, you said, but I was going to mention that one, Mike, when you mentioned earlier you're not familiar with uh, with Morbius, and I said he's never been emailed. I was going to mention that, so yeah, I'm glad you touched on it. All right, hold on. <laughs> You've already mentioned the budget, Nico, seventy five million dollars. Some speculated could have costed up to as much as eighty three million dollars, but I'll go with seventy five million. Uh, the box office was one hundred sixty seven point five million dollars. So, I mean, not terrible at the box. You know, a decent number of people saw it. Uh, you know, it made its budget back and then some. So. Uh, but it doesn't seem to have a very high critical and fan uh, rating, I guess. That really surprises See, me, honestly. As as high heavy CG as this is, that it was only seventy five million. Yeah, that really does surprise me. You know what's funny about those box office numbers is that uh, this movie got shit on so badly that people sarcastically got it trending that, that it was Morbin time and they wanted yeah. it to be re-released and they re-released the movie in theaters. So it got a second theatrical run because of people sarcastically <laughs> bombed twice. Congratulations, you played yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, guys, so much our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. I'll just kick us off. Favorite kill. It, it was that, like I mentioned earlier in the scene by scene, it was the first kill that Michael Morbius had just because it got a good pop out of me because I didn't expect him to have these kind of powers. Lee's favorite kill was a few moments later, and I apologize, I don't know the character's name, but it was the black guy shooting who got the throat slashed, but no blood came out. Come on, man, you got to have some blood splatter. Uh, rating, like I mentioned at the beginning, I'm pretty neutral on the movie. No strong feelings either way. Uh, superhero kind of movies and vampire movies just aren't my favorite things, but I won't say this movie was just completely boring or miserable. And I can't say that it was God awful either because I'm not a superhero guy. Like all these other people who commented and said they hated it because I didn't know what to expect. I just thought it was a decently fun watch, but nothing I ever want to watch again. I gave it a five and a half. I will take that. Let me go ahead and knock mine out. If that's okay with you guys. Uh, my favorite kill was the first guys on the ship, like kind of collectively all of them, because it's a great way to just throw us into the action. I get what you're saying. We didn't get enough blood, but as far as, uh, 
you know, completely tone, uh, a complete tonal shift of the movie. It was awesome. Least favorite kill to me was Milo because it was a very disappointing conclusion to him. So as far as my final thoughts in the rating, I think it's a fine movie. It got unfairly shat upon online. I do think that the showdown between Morbius and Milo was too short, though. The build was so long to get there. And then for that little amount of conflict, it was pretty ho-hum once we got it. It was predictable yeah. and uneventful. I mean, it's it's a cookie cutter was the word that was used. It's formulaic, what I said earlier. It's kind of what you expect. But I still enjoyed it, and I think they did enough to pique my interest for more movies in the franchise. It's not perfect, but I like it enough to give it a seven. All right, I'll go ahead and go so we have some balance here. I have the exact same kills as you, Dustin. My favorite is, you know, pretty much as soon as, you know, we get the first look at the vampire version of Morbius, I think all that action is pretty damn good and pretty fun carnage. I wish there was a lot of blood, but that's okay. Um, and my least favorite was Milo because I wanted a better, honestly, I kind of wanted a better kill. I wanted a better mm-hmm. end there for that character that I, really the only one I was like truly invested in finding out what happened. Um, all that being said, look, this is not the worst movie I've ever seen. I'm never probably going to watch it again unless, you know, there's some re-review of it 12 years from now when we're doing this show, although I doubt it. Um, you know, by then we'll, we'll be doing, you know, Leprechaun 5. So, you know, who knows? Hey, the movie, and movies go on forever, pal. But no, I mean, this just isn't my thing. Uh, you know, like Nico mentioned, a little out of my comfort zone. I did give it a fair shot and I thought they had me for a little bit. I thought I was going to get to come on here and say, Okay, shit. All right, maybe I've been missing out. I don't feel like I've been missing out. This this isn't for me. Uh, I think there's some good stuff in here, but overall, pretty mixed bag. So Nico gave it a five. I'm giving it a four point five. Oh wow. Okay. Um, my least favorite death. I picked the bat that Morbius had in his drawer that was spinning with the pins. Fucked up. I don't think the bat deserved that. The <laughs> uh, my favorite death. I put probably Doctor Nicholas. Um. I do think this missed a little bit from having to be PG-13. I do agree with y'all. The kills could have been so much better. And the character almost lends itself to being rated R, Um, especially Dr. Nicholas and and the scenes on the the boat. Uh, Those stood out to me. But again, I don't get the hate for this movie uh, or get really why it bombed. But uh, I actually gave it a 7.5. All right. So that gives us a composite score of 6.125. IMDb has it at a 5.2 and the Rotten Tomatoes. Listen to this shit. The Rotten Tomato <laughs> score is a 15 fucking percent. Wow. <laughs> the audience score is a 71%. So I think that the folks over Rotten Tomatoes are part of the fucking problem. Go ahead. They have the college football playoff committee, all the same people. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I don't I don't take film critics too seriously. I, I trust the audience score a lot more. Typically uh, I try to, yeah. Just because I feel like they're pretentious assholes uh any more final thoughts on morbius for you just shout out our blood donors nope uh and any listeners if you're a comic fan or superhero movie fan if i suck tonight i apologize like i mentioned i'm very out of my comfort zone with yeah, this kind of a movie same <laughs> but shout out our blood donors we really appreciate y'all y'all take a big burden off of us i can't stress that enough um times are really tough economically right now so i definitely understand uh, but we do appreciate your contributions. It takes a big burden off of us, helps us pay these bills. Uh, we got a new final girl donor, Anita Russell, and her film is going to be Pitch Black. We're going to be doing that in the, I don't know, maybe March, because I think we already got February planned out. But we'll get it. We'll get it on the schedule soon. Camper level reoccurring. Clayton, Jay, Nina, 
Michelle Mirza, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, my boy CJ, Christopher James, and Michael Evans. Our camp counselor reoccurring are Edwin Hernandez Gunn, my boy, Joe Swinford, Adrian Aiello, Karen, Brian Samick, Andrew Ferguson, Matt Strickland, Brooke Maley, and Thorne David Phillips. We really appreciate y'all's contributions. I'll just say that again. Uh, it means a lot to us. Uh, next week is my birthday bonus. We're not going to be doing a film review. We'll take a week off from that. But we're going to be doing kind of a fun episode, bonus-style episode, where we got like 15 subgenres of horror movies, and we're going to pick our favorites from each one. We're just going to you know bullshit and have fun, and uh, we're going to vibe and have a good time. And also stay tuned for some possibly really cool interviews coming out. I'm really looking forward to those. Uh, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch because you never know what could happen. But we got we got some pretty cool interviews scheduled, and uh, I'm excited for them. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, stay tuned for next week when I try to fit Halloween 78 into every subgenre, baby. Let's go. <laughs> what about Scream? Watch no. next week when I try to fit Halloween 78 into every subgenre, baby. I mean, I mean, horror comedy is right there. Wow. He's going to Scream Halloween 78. I'm joking. You, I'll, I'll just see if I get a reaction. Because you're yourself. Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> uh, thanks, man. All right, y'all. Uh, any final thoughts on Morbius? Nope. Right. Morbius. Morbius. Time. Oh, sorry. All right, end the show on that one. If they would, if I thought that was actually in the movie. If that was, I would have rated like a three and a half. It would have been more. It's Morbin time. <laughs> <laughs> just want to remind everybody. Don't go out there.